Support for this podcast is provided by That Cast Creative. Brand your business and connect with your audience by creating a custom podcast. Learn more at thatcast.com. The thing that I'm trying to do most is making food more democratic and that healthy food isn't just for people in certain zip codes. Healthy food's for everyone. And so, um, yeah, that's what we're trying to do at Green Zebra. Hi, everyone. You're listening to the PDX Executive Podcast, a show about aspiring business leaders from Portland and beyond. Lisa, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks, Dan, for having me. So you're the founder of Green Zebra Grocery, and I'm super excited because the concept is new. I want to talk about like the future of retail, but tell me about the story of how it got started. Oh, man, I can't wait. Okay, so... The inspiration for Green Zebra, let me take you back a few years. I was living in Boulder, Colorado, which is the world's healthiest city. Like People are so healthy there, they can't stop to talk to you because they're going for a personal best on their morning walk. (laughs) You know, It's just like they're so healthy. And so um, people would literally ride their bikes up into the Rocky Mountains for lunchtime going for their personal best, you know, Mm -hmm. and they'd come back down and they'd stop at this little convenience store near where I worked. And they'd come out of the convenience store after pedaling 60 miles at lunch. And they'd come out with a Slurpee and a Snickers. And I was like, wow, really? A a big gulp and a Snickers seems antithetical to what you're trying to do on your bicycle there. And I thought to myself at the time, like, wouldn't it be cool if that little convenience store was healthy? And so I percolated this idea for a really long time. Um, Like the whole time I was at New Seasons, Mm -hmm. previous to opening Yeah. You, I mean, you were the first CEO at New Seasons, right? Actually, I was the second CEO. Second, okay. Yeah. So early days. Early uh, days, yeah. yeah. We only had four stores, and um, I think maybe there were 800 or so employees when I started, staff members when I started, and then when I left, um, you know, we were at 13 stores and had cited some additional stores, and there were, you know, over 2,000 staff wow. members and a big swath of growth there, so it was super fun. And so you were kind of percolating this idea why you're at New Seasons. Yeah. So when you left, did you, did you take some time to kind of develop no. it? Or oh, my God. I took right like three seconds, you know. So <laughs> um, when I left New Seasons, I actually told them. I said, hey, look, I want to leave to go open these small stores. I think now is the time. Because yeah. we were coming out of the recession, and this is the time when, like, the big stores were going small. So, like, City Target came out, and the neighborhood Walmart came out. And big stores were just opening smaller formats out of necessity because they didn't have as much money. And there was a return to the urban core in terms of residential. And once you get there, there's no services. And I was like, oh, crap, someone's going to take my idea. I got to do this now. And so I went to my board of directors and... um, and they said, we think this is really cool. We want to invest in it. And so New Seasons became my first investor in the business. And it's a really separate... um, kind of relationship like you know they don't they don't do anything in the they're strictly an investor Mm -hmm. and um but that was a nice really great way for me to put my first step on the path of raising money yeah um so then i raised a million dollars and that was my first little tranche of money that i raised did you kind of just hit friends and family up first or um i have friends up but not family because i never want to go to thanksgiving dinner and have to talk (laughs) about oh that money i gave you how's that doing (laughs) can i get it back now (laughs) it's like yeah so i decided not to ask family members um but friends that I've known in the industry for a long time. And um, so a lot of people really thought that this idea of healthy convenience was a good idea. 
And the first million dollars was relatively easy to raise. Right. And so you're fir- we're across the street from one of your stores. What, yeah, that's store number one. Store number that's one. The, that's the baby. And I know, you, I mean, you're working for New Season, so you're in market already. But like I said, you've lived in Boulder. Why stay in Portland for this? What, what did you... Um, well, let's see. First of all, you know, Portland's just a great city to live in when it's not February. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I hear. I feel yeah. yeah. Um, and it... I don't know, but you know, it's kind of a, a place that I've, um, gone native in. I grew up in the Midwest and okay. I moved out here in, in 2005, okay. um, by way of Boulder, you know, yeah. I was growing up in Detroit. I lived in Chicago, moved out to Boulder and then came up here. Um, and once you get here, you don't really leave. Like you don't want to go back to Detroit after you've been in Boulder. <laughs> yeah. And my family's from Michigan, so they all moved out West. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's step back. Like what was your career path to becoming, you know, first with new seasons? So were you always in retail or was it a little bit of a winding? Um, yeah, I've always pretty much been in food. food. Um, I started, I actually thought I was going to be a large animal veterinarian. That was my, my path growing up in Detroit, in the Motor City. <laughs> yeah, I was right. like, mm, I want to do some animal husbandry. And um, so I went to school in Arizona and um, at the University of Arizona. Okay. And while I was going to school, I was also working full-time at a resort in Tucson. And um, I was cooking. I was the salad bar girl. That's huh. what they called me, salad bar girl. And actually, it was like kind of a badge of honor to have like the salad bar position as the starting position in this kitchen because like everybody ate the salad bar. And so I took so much pride in the salad bar. And it was like, to me, like I learned all my knife skills doing that. And, um, anyway, so I was going to school and working at this job and the chef said, you know, you really have a thing with food. I think that's your gift. Hmm. And I was like, I'm really glad you said that because my gift is not this animal husbandry (laughs) business. Like it is not my gift. Um, so actually I went to culinary school then and, um, I moved to Chicago and, um, got to cook with a whole bunch of different great people in the late eighties and early nineties and had a, um, memorable experience working back in Detroit with a guy named Jimmy Schmidt, who's, um, you know, he came up at the time when, um, I don't know, like Alice Waters and Jeremiah Tower and um, Wolfgang Puck when he was still, you know, the cool Wolfgang. Yeah, yeah. Um, before his face was on a can of soup. Um, so he was one of the celebrity chefs of the, you know, early 90s. So I got to actually do little stints in a lot of different chefs' kitchens, like Wolfgang Puck at Spago. And um, I got to do a little stint with Julia Child wow. and, like, really cool things. By the way, she's was the one of the most inspiring people ever so she's like six foot three julia child or was and um she comes to the kitchen dressed in chanel head to toe but then she puts on her apron which she wears like kind of higher on her waist and then she just opens up and she engages you around food and she shares her food stories and it wasn't about a secret recipe Mm -hmm. you know where to me a lot of the chefs in the late 80s and early 90s were like shouting chefs, kind of yeah. like Gordon Ramsay. They were really shouting at you all the time. Um, but she was really about sharing food as a gift. And and that resonated with me. And that's how I approach food today. Yeah. And so making your way from a chef to kind of, you know, an oh, yeah. executive. Yeah. How do you the, get there? Was what the, is that path? What was the leap yeah. like? And did you kind of lament giving up that you know, connection to making food and things or, um, yeah, that's a great question. I've never stopped making food. Um, and so I started working for this, I became interested in natural foods and, um, just the simplicity of, 
pulling the food out of the ground and washing it and lightly cooking it and eating it, you know, like just so simple and delicious. And, and the natural foods movement was, you know, organic was really just burgeoning in the, in the early nineties. I mean, it'd been around forever, but it was really coming on strong and changing the way people eat for the better. Um, so anyway, I got involved in a natural foods mom and pop shop and, um, you know, started working there. And then I moved back to Chicago and started working for a company called Fresh Fields Mm. and Whole Foods bought Fresh Fields. Okay. And so I stayed with Whole Foods for eight or nine years and grew with the company from, uh, let's see, I started out as a department manager of the vitamins and herbs and body care, and then, you know, moved into uh, management positions. And then I was a regional buyer and then I worked on the national purchasing team. And so I had such a fun experience because we were always getting new products. Like there's nothing more exciting than seeing someone's new product and tasting it and, um, providing feedback to them on like, Oh, here's what you can do to take it to the next level. And have you looked at your competitors and you've thought about the price and what if you changed the, uh, the flavor profile to just, you know, this and, um, so that's something that I still get to do all yeah. the time and I love it. Um, in fact, I was just tasting right before you got here. Um, I'll tell you what I'm tasting. I'm tasting this beverage called Koya. Okay. Um, and Koya is a plant-based protein drink. It has 18 grams of plant-based protein, which is super great. You guys carry the same store. We do. Yeah. yeah. And plant-based proteins are the thing, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, it used to be that it was called vegan, you know, now people just call it plant-based protein cause it's less, um, I don't know. I think sometimes people associate veganism with um, some flavor profile or some, uh, I don't know, angriness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this seems a little more approachable. But, it is. Yeah. It's super approachable. Yeah. And that's, I mean, if people had looked into a plant-based life years ago, they would know that that's what it was all about, you yeah. know? Um, so anyway, plant-based protein and that Koya drink is really delicious. And um, there's so many coffee drinks and beverages right now that are, are just exploding onto the market. And the other day, um, I was actually at my church and this young woman was sampling a cold brew with CBD in it in the parking lot at my oh, church. I and I was like, that's so cool. <laughs> I know. Um, so that's still a really big and fun part of my job, but let me just back up for a second and say from whole foods, um, I went to Boulder and I worked for this company, called Pharmaca and okay. um, Pharmaca was a, is still an East meets West kind of um, pharmacy model. So you can get your regular prescriptions filled there, but also meet with an herbalist or a nutritionist or an esthetician um, on staff anytime you want. They're in Portland, right? Yep. Yeah, yep. There's a couple stores. My house, yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's a couple stores in Portland and um, you know, we opened stores across the West and then I was recruited by new seasons to be the company president and eventually the CEO. Yeah. So did you always have this entrepreneur in you? And I like to ask this of people, or is it something that kind yeah. of, you got this it's your urge later, or is it just kind of the passion around the concept that drove you to do it? You know, I've always had this in like, since I was a child, seriously, like I'm the one that tried to eliminate stands oh, and all that. Yeah. yeah the, like three flavors of lemonade, you know, and, um, and I actually wrote my own newspaper when I was a kid and I would make copies at the library and sell them and just, I, you know, crazy stuff like that. Um, I had a paper out when I was a kid and I would try to figure out ways in which that I, when a collection time came, cause you used to, for all you kids out there, you used to <laughs> collect door to door when it was time, um, every other week or so. And, so I would think about ways in which I could get my tips higher. And so I would memorize some of the headlines from the newspapers when I was delivering. 
And I would talk to the neighbors and, oh, did you see this in the paper? And like, you know, I'm 10 years old and I'm talking about Watergate. (laughs) And um, So like I've always just kind of had this sales entrepreneurial bent and um, maybe a disposition that is slightly disagreeable sometimes and not status quo. And so um, doing it my own way is really fun. And once you start doing it your own way, you realize that you need every single other person to tell you like Hey, you're way stupid. You like you have to be the world's best listener when yeah. you start your own business because it's no longer about you. You think it is when you first start, but then it's not at all. Well, and let's talk about that because I think that's you know something that a lot of folks that are in you know uh, the corporate world or like you were an executive and it, that is a mind set shift, right? And so was that yeah. kind of a learning curve for you, or did? How's that been since launching your own business? You know, I think executive is a term that in the natural foods industry, coming up the way I did from, you know, bagging groceries to, you know, being a a regional purchasing um, person and on up. It's still like I could wear shorts and Birkenstocks to work every day. So like um, executive... I don't know. I was never a very buttoned up executive to begin with. So, um, and the natural foods industry, one of the things that was so appealing to me about it was that people were real mm-hmm. and that conversations were meaningful and that, um, gosh, you know, John Mackey does not get credit for this at all, in my opinion. And he should, because he built whole foods to be one where people discussed and debated. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like, John wasn't like, Oh, this is my vision of how the world needs to be. And you have to do it this way. He was like, hey, why don't you guys discuss and debate this and tell me what the outcome is? Mm-hmm. And um, so discussion and debate for better outcomes is one of the things that I believe in. And um, I couldn't work somewhere where that wasn't allowed. Like it just wouldn't, my personality wouldn't do it because I can't just mindlessly or nor can I order people to do things without getting their feedback. Yeah. Um, so listening to me, active listening is about um, repeating back what you heard mm-hmm. and listening really carefully for a kernel of truth that you can apply to the business. Even if everything else the person says, you're like mentally eye rolling and you're like, God, this person is so full of it. <laughs> there, I guarantee there is always a kernel of truth that you can learn to apply to your business. Mm-hmm. So the business right now, how many stores do you have? We have three stores right now. Three stores. And we're at about $10 million in revenue and we have a fourth store under construction. Great. And, um, I have a hankering to get up to Seattle as soon as I can. Um, you know, we're in, in Portland, we have a lot of really good healthy food options. We don't have a lot of convenience, healthy food options, but you know, we live in, to me, what, what is food utopia? Mm-hmm. Um, and Seattle, while being a really great food city is undergrocered for their population. And so, um, there's a lot of densely populated neighborhoods that are walking and biking neighborhoods. And, um, that's how our model works best. So lots of trips, like 1500 trips a day, but our average transaction size is like 10 bucks. And so you can imagine in a city like Seattle, where there's so much more density that little store, lots of little stores in different neighborhoods is going to work really well. Yeah. I was just up there. I was on the UW campus and I was kind of noticing that. I want the UW campus so bad. That'd be so cool to have a green zebra there. Great there. So I know you have your big plans. You, and we were talking before recording that you're currently raising money and you, I know that process is. 
Yeah, it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> and um, there's and there's rules around it too. Like you know, you can't tell everybody like, hey, I'm raising a round of capital, and maybe you might be interested because there's these solicitation general solic- solicitation rules, um, which might have changed in the last year. I actually have to look into that um, because of crowdfunding and so yeah. on. Um, anyway, what I will tell you about raising money is that it's a it's absolutely necessary to the growth of the business and the people that take the early risk in you are heroes. They really are. I mean, when you think about some of the companies that people have invested in early on and then become these behemoth companies, which is what I hope to do one day, I actually hope to be 400 stores on the West coast. And, um, so the early investors are the ones that take, take the biggest leap of faith. You know, there's nothing proven. And then over time you kind of de-risk the deal, but it still is hard to raise money. Like $10 million is a big amount of money. Yeah. And I know, are you, well, the startup community is growing here. You know, we have the tech companies. Are you involved in that? Has that benefited you or what's that like as far as I'm a founder here? My model is a lot different than, you know, a tech company. Yeah. How's that community been to your business and you personally yeah. helpful or yeah, no, it's really, um, so very helpful. Um, Oregon angel fund, which is now called Oregon venture fund. Um, we were green zebra was their first bricks and mortar investment and it was a big investment, like almost a million dollars. And so even though they primarily do tech and, you know, some CPG and so on, they could see that like, wow, healthy convenience is a thing. And I really believe in Lisa's experience and the team's experience. And so they gave us a really big push up the hill early on. Um, And the downside to angel investment is there often isn't follow on money from that. And so, and people do like widgets. They like, it's so bizarre to me (laughs) because like, I think about like, oh, you built a widget and um, you're not sure it's ever going to work, but people are more inclined to invest in something that is never a sure thing in terms of whether this piece of equipment is going to be scalable or, and then like a a retail grocery store, people look at and think, Oh my God, it's so capital intensive up front. I can't do it. But you just invested 50 million in a widget that might never work. I'm already working it. The model, you know, like, so I get really frustrated kind of like that scene in, um, What's that movie called? Network. You might be too young for that, but he's like, I'm as mad as hell and I can't take it anymore. Like that's sometimes how I feel. And, um, it's okay. Like we're going to get there, you know, and then we're going to be able to scale. And then I'm going to be able to look back and not say, I told you so, but just say thanks to those people who believed. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your employees. Do you have some employees that have, you know, been with you since day one? Yes, I do have employees that have been with me since day one. Um, our core team. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so the best thing to me about doing this, there, there are two things in the world that I think, um, I have a natural, uh, proclivity toward. And, uh, one is communicating and, um, being with people and just enjoying the experiences that I have. And, um, the other one is since I was really little, I always kind of was a natural leader and, um, and a servant leader, you know, like it's really different to tell people what to do than it is to ask their opinion first. Um, and so I think what we've built here is based on this mm, place of assuming the best intent first. And in fact, um, on this wall, which people can't see are, are, um, values. And I wrote the values for the company before I wrote the business plan. Mm. And the values are based on things that I've learned in business in life over, you know, the many years that I've been doing this. And, 
Um, our first value is to be in service to each other and to our customers and to our community. And I think basically if, if you get that first one right, most things come from that, you know, like just really going deep on being in service to people. And, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a special place to, it's, it's an honor. It's an honor to be a grocery man or woman or person and to be part of your daily meal and to help you select that. And then, um, there's such a, sh- a short distance from the food that grows in the ground to the grocery store, to your plate. Yeah. And to be part of that and to know that you're going to go home and say like, oh, wow, I got this really um, beautiful pint of strawberries when I was at Green Zebra and um, the produce person let me sample them ahead of time. Aren't they delicious? Mm-hmm. And so you're talking about us in the most intimate place in your home. Well, the dinner table is the most intimate place to me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe to others, there's another place in the house that might be more intimate. But, um, you know, like all good things happen around a table. Community is built around a table and a meal. And so, um, I don't know, I take that really seriously. It's an honor to be part of the... Yeah, and you can feel it. And I go to the one, um, I happen to be around PSU a lot for different things, and so I go to the one there, and you can just feel that connection. And I think that's yeah. uh, something special. So The thing that I'm trying to do most is making food more democratic, and that healthy food isn't just for people in certain zip codes. Healthy food's for everyone. And so... Um, yeah, that's what we're trying to do at Green Zebra. Yeah. Well, Lisa, thanks so much for being on the podcast. I'm excited where the business goes and grows. So thanks again. Oh, I really appreciate you having me here, Dan. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I'm Dan Bruden, and you've been listening to the PDX Executive Podcast. Original music was composed for this episode by Levi Downey. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. And to hear previous episodes and access the full library, visit pdxexecutiveforums.com.